Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, Episode 6. We, of course, are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. I, of course, am John Alba, joined, as always, by the man of the hour, the connoisseur of the A-H-F-O. I got to be very careful getting that in there, Mr. Hardy. He's Matt Hardy. What's going on, my man? How are you? Uh, I am well, John. How are you today? I'm well, very tired. So we were supposed to do big money, Matt, this week. We talked about that last week on the podcast, but I had what we call Matt Hardy travel this past week, and mm-hmm. I was in 12 states in a matter of uh, four days and just getting all the pieces together, just a little too much. So we're going to do that next week with some surprises as well. And we decided we're going to do yeah. Ask Matt Anything this week. Yeah, it, that works out well. And like you said, whenever you do have those travel scenarios, uh, they are not wonderful. <laughs> they are not. Well, I'm not traveling with Michael Hayes, so that that probably makes things a little easier on me. Yeah. Mm. No, no rest stops. Uh, no leaping off of hotel radiators. None of that, man. Everything's all good on this end. How's everything in North Carolina? The weather holding up. The house hardy, uh, keeping somewhat peaceful this week. Yeah, everything is okay. Uh, no complaints. You know, a little bit of a rainy day here, but we seem to be okay. Light rain. That's good. I like to hear that, man. We had a f- lot of fun talking about Omega last week. I had so many people message me and say, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. I didn't know. And I think yeah. that was the coolest thing about that episode. Yeah, I think so, too. Because uh, there's never been a long-form actual uh 
career story about Omega, like from the, you know, inception of it all the way up to like when myself and my brother left, there's never been like a long form story told. There's been some documentaries here and there that have like kind of hit the hot spots, but I mean, we went into a, quite a, quite a good depth on it. And I, I, I heard that as well. Like, Oh my God, I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. Someone like held your ring hostage and you guys had to come up with these funds, or I had no idea about Manny Fernandez showing up and you almost having to fight this guy when you were, you know, at such a young age. So that, that was very cool that a lot of people were like, wow, that was eye opening. What was the feedback among members of the Omega crew? They, they all loved it. And just like the way you described it, I think like a, a love letter to independent wrestling or a love letter to a bunch of independent wrestlers showing how passionate they are about their craft. It's a, a great way to describe it. And I feel like that's how it came off. Everybody was really, you know, in their feelings. Everyone was sentimental after listening to it, you know, because it brings back such great memories. Even thinking back in, in you know, in hindsight, it, it was even though we weren't making money and we were like struggling to like keep things together on, from a financial standpoint, it was some of the best times of our career. They were so special and, and we cherish those moments and hold them all very dear to our heart, I think. 100% on that. It was a really great episode. You can check out in the archive right now. Just search The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy wherever you get your podcast or Matt Hardy brand on YouTube. We got a link in our little bio on social media as well that you can all head to. And we got a link as well for Box of Gimmicks. Check out, get that Extreme Life of Matt Hardy swag. People were talking all about the sweater this past week. It got a little nippy in some parts of the country. So you get your long sweaters, uh, coffee mugs. Uh, I saw there was a tweet from our social media extraordinaire, Dominic D'Angelo, talking about uh, delightful coffee. Uh, so definitely get your eyes and ears on all that, my friends. All right, Matt, let's have some fun here. Nice, easy episode. Ask Matt anything. But before we answer any questions, hit us with Matt Fact number six. Matt Fact, Matt is a creature of ritual. Hmm. Anything specific to that? I, I really am. Uh, I am someone who likes being in a routine. I kind of like uh, having some sort of structure. And, and I, I don't necessarily believe in like, uh, like, you know, luck or karma. Although I've said this time and time again, if karma is a real thing, I'm okay with it. But I do believe in like, you know, do, doing what's right and like having some sort of structure in your life. I, I feel like that makes your life go by a little easier. And it's also more you're able to stay on top of things a lot more. So I really am a creature of ritual. Like there's, there's so many things I do that are like traditions and routines and I just do them regularly over and over and over again. I am, you know, I, I am not an, an unorthodox cat. I am definitely a creature of ritual. Well, the ritual that all you guys want to get in the habit of is heading over and leaving us that five-star review and leaving us yes. uh, all that great feedback. Jose, now is, is Jose your like using the transitive property your assistant now with the yes ASC he show? he well you know Andrade calls him his assistant I call him my minion yes okay. no he is he, he is definitely over. my assistant he, he yes he is my assistant as well uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Jose it's been fun getting to know him a little bit uh, one of the most funny things about this is that he was talking about whenever they were talking about the origins of his character and his television persona. They were thinking about making him because he he speaks English and Spanish both flawlessly, and he was helping Andrade out a lot because and Andrade obviously has been learning English ever since he you know came to WWE and now working with AEW since he'd been in the states. So he's 
working very hard on English and his English has improved so much more than when he first started. So Jose was his friend and he was going to, to help him with all the translations and everything. And originally I think Andrade wanted him to have like a very white name, you know, like uh, he was a uh, very much a English speaking white American. <laughs> yes. Right. And uh, it's so funny because before they even technically named him, they just called him Jose, which was like his shoot name. I didn't even figure it was. <laughs> I figured that was like a, a word name, but they, they called him by his, you know, legal shoot government name, Jose. So he, he's a good cat and I've enjoyed working with him. Well, he put us over big so you can make like Jose and leave us that review. It's very much appreciated. Let's get into some questions here. So many from all the extreme life of Matt Hardy faithful. Thank you very much. We asked you to hashtag ask Matt and let's get to it. Our first question. This is a really good one. Latasha asked, do you regret not having a match against Roman Reigns or you and your brother against the new day? So obviously referring to your most recent WWE run here. Yes, I, I really would have loved to have had a match against Roman Reigns. Uh, I, I like Roman Reigns uh, immensely as a performer. And I also really like him just as a human being, too, as well. We always get along good. He's, he's just a real cool cat, and he's such a hard worker. He's so smooth. He's so handsome. He's so charismatic. And he really does have an amazing package. And the stuff he's doing currently with him and the Usos, I mean, I can't put that over enough. It is, uh, you know, my favorite thing on WWE television. And he's killing it. And it just... To me, I, I'm almost disappointed it took them so long to actually step out and turn him hill. And it became such a huge success. Like, you know, that, that's sometimes you have to do that. If the crowd isn't reacting to what you give them in a certain way, you know, there, there's always one of the things that's nice about pro wrestling is that you can, you know, flop someone to being a bad guy or a good guy. And, and that was a step they needed to do with Roman because the crowd was just so split on him. And I feel like whenever you do that and the fans that do doubt him or maybe boo him, whenever they actually start cheering Roman because he's a heel and he's doing like this cool stick that they love now, then you ultimately build him back into a much bigger baby face at the end of the day. So I, I love the work he's been doing and uh, I would have loved to have had a match with him. That would have been a lot of fun. I'm so glad uh, you said that because I, I know that you knew I was going to follow up and ask about all that. And, and I was going to, because it's like 98, right. 99 with the rock, right? Like they turned rock heel yes. because you knew at the end of the day, he was going to get so damn over because of how charismatic he was and how good yeah. looking he was and all that, that he's going to be a big time baby face. And I was at that Royal rumble in 2015 when the crowd just absolutely mutilated he and, and rock. And yeah. I think you're right you sometimes just have to recognize that we got to listen to the fans. Did, did you find any frustration with that uh, throughout your run, either in WWE or in wrestling in general, that the powers that be are so resistant to what the fans are calling for at times? I, I am. I'm sure I have. Um, you know, one thing that was cool about like once we came back and did broken Matt Hardy, it was during the pandemic and we were kind of, once again, as I've said this, and this is a real thing, I can tell you from like experience being in the ring and, and like seeing the feedback, the WWE audience is a much more casual fan, uh, a much older audience, uh, a much easier going and, and much more acceptable of different things. The A the AEW audience is, is very, very tough. They're, they're a younger audience. They're more of like the younger woke crowd, I guess you could even say as such. They, they're much harder to please. Mm -hmm. than like a WWE audience. And once the broken Matt Hardy thing was, uh, once it was happening, and then once we weren't playing to a lot of uh, uh, fans in there, and it was one of those things that the, the, the people didn't really accept it or embrace it, 
once I said, like, I, I need to turn, you know, and I need to be a bad guy because, you know, people aren't into what I'm doing currently. I said, and this will work, you know, where I, I can piss them off as a hill. It'll be much easier. And like Tony Khan was immediately up for it. And, and he knew that and he felt that immediately and he was down for it. And he knew Big Money Matt was like the way to go. So so that that was super easy. So I, I can say speaking with Tony, uh, he was very much on the pulse of what people were doing. And he agreed with it as well. And, and we went into that. That's where I kind of created the whole idea behind, you know, being big money, Matt, and taking a wee fee from mm -hmm. private party, because they already, I was already starting to mentor them a little bit. And then it was just a great scenario where I could take advantage of them at that point in time. Well, we will get to that next week. I promise you that here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Now, what about the New Day? That was the second part of that question. Uh, that seems like a natural matchup that I guess just never really happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were kind of, during our final run there in WWE, the three years I was there, obviously I was healthy the whole while. I was never out or hurt, you know, fortunately. My brother actually had his first real run of injury. So he was out for 17 or 18 months during that time, you know, during those 36 months we had there. So we didn't get to do the tag team work we would have liked to have done. But the New Day is definitely a team that we wanted to work against because I got to reference them several times when I was doing Broken Matt Hardy and TNA Impact. You know, they were the day of new and I kept making uh, references to those guys and, and calling them out and saying, you know, it was our mission. You know, we had been sent from a higher power. We have to prove that we are the greatest tag team in all of space and time. So that is a match that was definitely on our to do list that we wanted to 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 get and have. And, and unfortunately, we didn't get to have it then. But, yeah, I would have loved to have had that match. And, and once again, Kofi is a guy. I've known for a long time, got a lot of love and respect for him and too. I love how he's such a great family man now and has all his kids. And we always had that in common. Um, Woods is someone I, I like a lot too. We're in this, uh, in this cool text group where we stay in contact quite a bit and Big E, I just kind of got to know him, you know, during this last run, you know, at, at WWE. So that was a lot of fun too. He's just a, a great guy. And I'm so happy that he has been as successful as he has been the, the last little while. But, you know, I, I guess it's pro wrestling and and who knows, never say never. Maybe one day we'll get a Hardys or a New Day match, but it, it is a match we would definitely like to have at some, some point in our time careers. I'm going to ask you a question that might be a little controversial, but I think it's worth asking. Are the New Day or is the New Day in Freebird territory in terms of iconic wrestling trios? Because I, I believe they are. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they would have to be. And especially... I mean, I have to say this, for them to have this kind of run, this longevity in WWE is pretty unprecedented, you know, because that just doesn't happen. You know, WWE, they don't do like long term, you know, factions or units. And for the New Day to be like able, tag teams, he doesn't like tag teams these days, you know, but but I know that I'm sure they have fought tooth and nail to stick together. And, and it's great that they have so that they definitely have uh, they are definitely hovering around that free bird type legacy as far as being a, a great three-man team no doubt about it let's move on here ken asks would you ever do anything in your broken character with dan house and i'd assume as a team i saw your interview with him and it was amazing i believe you called him santiago uh man big big time debut with dan house and he is over like rover right now what are your thoughts Yes, I he had reached out to me. I started following him on social media, uh, almost very similar to how you know we first interacted, John. And he had asked me. He had a, a an interview show he was doing that was on his website, whatever. And he he's very very good at self promotion, and he's done a great job of keeping his character relevant, whether he was working at a a major company or getting a lot of limelight for wherever he was employed 
or getting paid from. And he's done a good job at doing that. And I did that with him. And because I was doing big money Matt at the time, you know, I pitched the idea to him. I said, I think I should almost start like his big money Matt, and then maybe we can do a, a transformation into to broken Matt Hardy, which I, I still, I still dig that deal too, kind of the shifting personas. And we did that. It was a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure I caught his essence where the essence currently in broken Matt Hardy is Damascus. Uh, I read his essence and it was Santiago. That was the name of Danhausen's essence. So that, that was a lot of fun. And I had actually, I actually have this idea, like, obviously, as everyone knows, uh, I have four young children under six years old and because we'd been so busy and so hectic, once we get to the point where our daughter is a little older and, and she's not such an issue where we have to take care of her like every single hour of the day, I want to start doing a thing where I do Broken Matt Hardy, like sh a short series. And Broken Matt Hardy does things here on the Hardy compound. And especially now that, you know, my brother Jeff is free and he can be involved in it and brother Nero. But we do, you know, like these 20 minute episodes, maybe do one every couple of weeks. And it's uh, the Broken Universe still lives on. And it's a great place because there is a huge fan base out there for that. And AW isn't necessarily the right avenue for it. But if I could do these these uh, these broadcasts, I'd actually spoken to Danhausen about it. I was, you know, tempted to, you know, fly him here. I'd fly fly brother first class. Come on down to the Hardy Compound. We'll shoot a, a super entertaining episode of the Broken Universe and, and interject Danhausen in it. And that still might be something that will happen down the road. But I am definitely wanting to do something with Broken Matt Hardy, where you still see him interact with members of the the pro wrestling community for sure here on the Hardy Compound. He's a great guy. Can't put him over enough. He's someone who has created his own opportunities 100% of the way. And he really has. He's done an, an incredible job of it. He's he's really awesome. And I'll tell you what, you know, he had the run of the Ring of Honor. I, I would have killed to have seen your Ring of Honor character with his because you would have been the anti-Danhausen and, and it would have been a lot of fun to see that yeah. sort of interaction as well. Good stuff there. Uh, big Danhausen fan here. Um, let's see. A wrestling historian asks, how did it feel to become TNA World Heavyweight Champion? We are uh, around the 11th anniversary of you joining TNA for the first time. So uh, eventually you became champion a few years later. What are your thoughts on that? It's always an honor whenever you get the opportunity to serve as a promotions champion. And T TNA was in a very weird spot at that time. Anyway, that's when they were having a lot of issues and and trouble with their network and just they were kind of struggling to keep their their television rights if i'm not mistaken and i'll tell you how this kind of all materialized with a little bit of backstory so they knew they were going to have to switch channels when we were on do you even remember what the name of the channel was? they I, went spike to destination america to destination pop, america the pop tv yes. after yes it, destination america is what i was uh, i couldn't recollect so we were on destination america and they knew the destination destination america gig was going to be up and they had worked and they ended up securing a pop uh tv slot right so uh, they didn't know if they were going to lose that television in uh like six weeks or they didn't know if it was going to last through the end of the year so over the course of a few days we did this huge tournament which was like uh I don't remember the specific name for it, but it was basically to determine a, a new world champion because we did a deal where I won the world championship and then they weren't sure how much TV they were going to have. Uh, EC3 filed an injunction to me. And then I was like, I, I had to forfeit the championship and then we're going to have this huge tournament. And then the way it worked out is they did get TV pretty much through the end of the year. And we, myself and EC3, we fought through the whole tournament 
it was so many matches over the course of just a few days we did. And then it came back down to us uh, ultimately in the very finals. And then EC3 won it back. And then when we had a rematch a couple of weeks later, you know, we did a deal where I had said, if I don't beat EC3, I'll go home and retire. And this is where we did the big double turn where Big Money Matt started in TNA. And then I won the championship. And that's where uh, Rebby and Maxwell became television characters as well. And I hired, I stole Tyrus from EC3 and then I stole his best friend from him. And, you know, my, my whole goal was to ultimately destroy EC3's life because we'd, kind of, we'd been in a rivalry before that. Like, I'll tell you how that all started too. Um, my brother, Jeff, we'd won the tag team titles and then he had broke his leg from racing his motorcycle. Erratic behavior. I think that's going to be a term I'm going to constantly use talking about Jeff going forward. He was just, you know, committing some of his erratic behavior. He was out doing his motocross track, which he built like a legit motocross track mm -hmm. here on the Hardy compound at his house. Uh, and he was jumping uh, like a, a 100 foot far ramp, you know, that uh, he's a man. Yeah, well, that's what he is. He's, he's a, a living, breathing stuntman more than a wrestler. But he was doing this. He ended up breaking his leg. Uh, and this erratic behavior caused us to have to forfeit the titles, you know, because he had to go have emergency surgery on his leg. And he, he had all kinds of problems from it. That's ultimately why he had to have knee surgery as well, because they didn't catch it when it first happened. So I, I was kind of like on my own now. We'd had plans going forward to do all this stuff as the Hardy Boys together as a team. And I remember telling John Gabrick big, I was like, hey, now that EC3 has become the world heavyweight champion why don't you let me work against them and i can like help elevate them a little bit and, and build them you know maybe we'll have a match and we can make like a controversial finish and ending and then we can build to a ladder match and then he can beat matt hardy you know a guy who's you know known as being a legend in ladder matches in a ladder match i think it'll help elevate him because I, I was a i still am a big fan of bc3 i dig his work and i enjoyed working with him a lot so that's how that all started and then we got such good feedback on this and they knew their TV deal was coming to an end. And the decision at the very end, John, John Gabrick said, we're going to do this deal where we have you beat EC3 in this three-way match. We're in uh, North Carolina. So it should get a good reaction because we're in your home state, whatever you can win it. We'll have him take it from you. And then we'll set up this big tournament. And just depending on how much television we get, we can either fill the television because we'll have content or if we don't get it, then once we start pop TV, we'll go right back to your issue. And that's how that all started. But that was ultimately what led into to big money, Matt coming, because I, I wanted to be a hill at that time too. I much, like I said, with the AEW thing, I saw that like just being regular Matt Hardy, the version of Matt Hardy, one half of the Hardy boys that I was doing at that time, it was just, it was watered down and it was just, there, there was no buzz around it. So you always have to change into something that has buzz. Obviously you have to, you know, keep, keep yourself fresh with the audience. And I wanted to do that. And, and, and John Gabrick was sold on it too. So he, he was definitely up for doing it. And we did it in that double turn. And I still think that is one of the most underrated double turn matches there's ever been in history. It was so, so good. And the way the reaction changed from the beginning of the match to the end of the match about who was getting cheered, who was getting booed and the amount of heat in the match. It was, I was super happy with that. And I feel like it is very underrated because TNA wasn't getting a lot of love at that time, but that, that match really stands out as being a great double turn. Well, that's the Cliff Notes version, because in the next month, we are yes. going to take a deep dive into yes. all of that stuff with EC3. And eventually, because that all leads to the broken character yes. into the WrestleMania 33 return, it's all very coherent and cohesive. It, so It really is like one flawless story. It's pretty amazing. It's really cool. We'll get into that more in depth, but I want to stick with TNA here. Mike asks... Do you ever think about what would have happened in your career had you signed with TNA in 2005 as, a, as opposed to going back to WWE? So this is right before the big edge angle. 
you were gone from the company. TNA at the time was starting to get some buzz and chatter. I think it's important to put that into perspective here. They were coming off the Fox Sports run, transitioning over to Spike TV after that. TNA is a viable number two here at this point. Uh, did you ever think about going there? Did they ever reach out to you? Oh, oh yeah, no. I mean, I uh, maybe sometime down the road, we could have a conversation with myself and Jeff Jarrett because we talked many, many times there. And uh, I was 100% interested. I'd never committed to them. Uh, once I, I do commit, I, I try and always hold my word. Uh, that's something that's very important. You know, it's almost like one of the things that hurt the Good Brothers, you know, because they had committed to, you know, going to AEW, you know, once, they, once their deals were done. And then WB, once AEW became a threat, they kept offering them more money, more money, more money, more money. And then, like, they accepted this money that they felt like they couldn't turn down. But then once the pandemic happened, they were just scrapped, <laughs> you know. So it's it, it's very tough. And, and one other thing about pro wrestling that people have to remember as well, when they talk about, like, what people should do with their career, you still have to remember at the end of the day, you know, even though we love this and you want to do what's best for you, where you think you're going to be taken care of the best and also treated the best, it's still a job and you have to go where the money is too. You know, you can't forget that. Like there's some people to say like, well, you know, I could work at McDonald's or I could work at this other restaurant where I would make three times the money. And if you ask someone, which restaurant are you going to work at? They're obviously going to go to the place where you can make three times the money, even though if it's going to be a more difficult job or, you know, you might not get treated as well, whatever people are going to go where they make the most amount of money, you know, in the same amount of time. So that's kind of what ultimately ended up happening in that situation. It's so crazy. I got fired, you know, a few weeks earlier and then I came back with a raise, with a pretty damn good raise. I was making double the money I did because I like got so hot at the end of the day. You know, now that's almost like when social media had started and I was kind of on the pulse of that. And there were people that like felt for me and they got behind me, which was I've always greatly appreciated. And I, I always do. Even the times where I've been a hill and I've done whatever I say to shit on the fans, I always appreciate the fans because I know that at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're the ones that are a huge portion of my success along with my hard work because they support me and they dig what I'm doing. So I did, I, I mean, I, I guess I've always thought I'm not a big what ifer, but you know, I've always thought like, how would it have been if I did end up there? I, I don't know. I mean, I just knew if I would have came back, uh, you know, if I did come back to W at the time and work with edge and we were all cool, everybody was on the same page, uh, all parties involved. I knew that it would be a super hot issue. And I knew WWE would probably get revenge on me because they're they're going to be upset that I rocked the boat and forced their hand and, and made them hire me back. But, you know, that, that's OK. I was going to be making more money and, and hopefully I could work myself into a, a better spot. So I, I, I guess I have thought what would have happened if I went there, but like not very much, because like I'm one of those guys, like once I make a decision, I'm like I'm all in. So recently I decided to sort of change up my wardrobe if you've seen me at wrestling shows and this is very much a shoot brother you know i'm almost always decked out in a full suit i like to wear them they look good but lately i've kind of learned that it's actually okay to dress comfortably wherever even if it's out of the house sweatpants joggers i'm all in and i know about a company like stance and its reputation for great socks but now it's expanding to a full line of hoodies sweats and so much more and they're different in style, not what you see everywhere else, which I really like because they're also incredibly comfortable in the process. Again, we're not just talking socks anymore. Stance is bringing color, comfort, and creativity from toe to head with the launch of its all-new active apparel line. 
That's right, what started out as a radical reinvention of your sock drawer is now expanding to your entire wardrobe. Check out Stance's super soft line of sweatpants and joggers, shirts, hoodies, hats, and much more. Now they're all available in a full range of fits, prints, fabrics, and fun. Embrace a life of superior comfort and creative expression with everyday active apparel that truly is stitched different. Like I said, these are different. Stitch is collaborating with artists from all around the entertainment and arts industries to come up with unique, extremely comfortable designs. You ain't heard Wu-Tang Clan in a minute, but they're just one of many collaborators working with Stance. Seriously, I'm all about sweatpants now. Super comfortable, cozy, and perfect for this Jersey weather that I've chosen to deal with, and they are all in excellent quality. Stance's philosophy is that you should never have to sacrifice your own individual style for the sake of comfort. And now you don't have to. Whether you're relaxing around the house, working out at the gym, or running all over town, Stance now delivers its signature softness and creativity in a full line of active apparel styles from toe to head. Stance has got you covered. Head on over to Stance.com and get 15, that's right, 15% off your first purchase. Just use promo code HARDY at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Stitch different. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Well, you worked yourself into a pretty high caliber match at SummerSlam 2005, and that's where our next question comes from, Dalton. I have always wanted to know if the finish of your SummerSlam 2005 match with Edge was a work or a shoot. I feel like someone bleeding out and losing via ref stoppage in their revenge match was a horrible booking decision for someone who, in all caps, will not die. So set the record straight. Matt Fact or Matt Fiction, it's a shoot. That was first and foremost, John, that was a hell of a segue. That was a great way to, to intertwine those two questions. Good stuff. And let me ask you, John, do you think it was a, uh, a work or shoot? I'd have to go back and watch it. I remember Bruce Pritchard talked about it on his podcast when he did the episode on that whole feud. And I'm trying to remember what he said. I think that it was a work but i'm curious let's hear it uh yeah i mean everything in that match went exactly how it was supposed to go and you know just to the 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 uh, individual who asked that question and said they thought it was a terrible booking idea i mean i i don't feel like it's as bad of a booking idea considering that i wouldn't stop fighting 
True. Uh, and I, you know, and, you know, I was bleeding and the ref stopped it. I mean, as opposed to like, if I did, if I gave up and if I quit or if I just got beat straight out, that, that would have been a much worse booking decision. So the whole idea behind this was that we were going to go out and almost have like a UFC MMA fight, incorporate some pro wrestling into it, but it was supposed to be short, uh, like go, 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 like a, a fist of cuffs, very violent, very much fighting. And then I was going to pick a spot where I was going to end up bleeding uh, profusely and the referee was going to, to stop the the match and uh, I came up with the scenario that we ended up doing and uh, got a got, got good color in there too brother you know so so that came out all right and it was just the way it was going to go because basically we knew we were going to continue that story and go back and forth because we wanted to drag this out for a few months because we had such a hot issue that so many people were invested in you know we didn't want to you know give away too much there obviously the good guy who you want to see overcome all the odds can't overcome the bad guy on night one and then continue the issue because then he's kind of got his revenge, you know, so he had to, had to drag it out a little bit. And like, like looking back in hindsight, I, I feel like it was still done pretty well because we had that match where it just got stopped because of my bleeding. Then there was the no contest in the street fight, which that was a, I, I love that match a lot. I was a big fan of that match. Both Adam and I like that match. And then the cage match is one of my favorite matches in my career which I think you could segue into another thing, uh, another question we have, if I'm not mistaken. And, and you know, then ultimately we finished it because they want to split us and put us on different brands, you know, and then Edge ended up getting one up on me at the very end. And I figured at the, at the end of the day, I knew because I made WWE hire me back, you know, for a raise, making almost double the money. I knew that they were going to get theirs in the end. So it was all good. I mean, it, it was, uh, in hindsight, it was, it was, was a pretty good program. A little TV trick for anyone who wants to be a producer out there is you want to start with something big and you flow to it you connect the dots in between things so matt just put on his tv producer hat and we get our question from graham what went through your head before pulling off an avalanche leg drop onto edge from the top of a steel cage and do you think that's your most extreme moment it is definitely one of my most extreme moments i mean there's a few things that i've done that have been pretty pretty crazy. I mean, the first couple of things that, that pop in my mind are that leg drop off the top of the cage, especially because a leg drop in its own, just doing a regular leg drop is a painful move. So doing it off uh, a super elevated platform in the top of a steel cage is obviously extreme. Uh, I think about when myself and, and Bubba, Bubba Ray Dudley went uh, through the, the four tables. Yeah. Uh, because that was one of those things. If, if one of us went early, then the other guy was done. You know, it could have, could have been terrible. And then also when I went over backwards off the top of a 12-foot ladder, over the top rope, to the floor, through tables in TLC1. I mean, those are the first couple of things that pop in my mind. But, I mean, I've done a, a ton of dumb shit throughout my career, you know. And, and fortunately, I'm still here and still half-ass healthy, uh, so to say. But but doing that leg drop was an extreme thing. And, and I, I couldn't remember in WWE someone that had done a leg drop off the top of the cage. So I knew I'd be kind of like breaking new ground, you know, with that. And then it was a great way to close out this feud. It was such a big deal to finally get my win. Didn't necessarily close out the feud, but I got my win, my, my clean pinfall win over my enemy at that time and overcome, overcame all the odds. So just doing that in front of that crowd and the crowd was so hype. And I remember doing it and like not being afraid, not, not, you know, Fearless. I, I literally fe felt fearless when I did it. And I remember coming back through the curtain and having uh, uh, 
IRS and the million dollar man answered, said, Oh my God, I can't believe that. How do you feel? I said, I feel great now, but adrenaline's pumping. Ask me tomorrow. <laughs> Ask me tomorrow after I get up a couple hours into my day. And then, then I'll be able to give you an, an honest assessment. And, and that really was that my, my lower back and hips were already pretty messed up from doing leg drops at that point for, you know, Jesus, almost, you know, 13 years legitimately i've been doing leg drops off the top and second whatever and working that heavy wb schedule whenever myself and my brother first started with wb when we were doing 10 days on and four days off every night we were doing that leg drop splash off the top into that hard ass ring so that was a a lot of wear and tear obviously and that that was that was the the moment where i said oh i've got to i've got to alter this a little bit i can't do this leg drop all the time i can do it time to time but i can't do it every night like i used to when i was younger and that's when i ended up changing it to ho oh, and do an elbow where I jump off the second rope to the back of the guy's neck. And it's the most, uh, it's so funny when I tell guys this, if we're ever working in a match, or whatever said, okay, then I'll hit you with the most exciting yet boring move in the history of pro wrestling, uh, you know, in the history of pro wrestling, because that's what it is. We still do the whole mannerism, Oh, get the crowd hype. And then we'll jump off and I elbow them to the back of the neck and then protect my body. <laughs> Always got to look after yourself. You know, I'm not sure how, in depth we're going to get with that edge feud anytime soon here on the podcast so since we're talking about it, i, I want to ask you this you just rattled off that series of matches that you had with him what was your working relationship like with him at that time as you have the ref stoppage at SummerSlam and you you do more matches after that were you guys at a point where you could successfully pull off a feud professionally the personal men's anything on that yes part? yeah yeah we were on great terms at that time that's great. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it came across in your work too, because uh, uh, the realism through all that was just exceptional. So, well, I mean, if you look back at, at the, all the stuff we did to one another, I mean, obviously there was a huge amount of trust involved and yeah. then obviously everyone, you know, did the right thing because everybody got through that healthy. Absolutely. They did. And both of you went in your respective ways. Here's a fun question from Ken uh, hammer Turkey. Uh, turkey without a doubt no mustard <laughs> uh, turkey turkey is just so, so much more healthy overall ham, ham is okay but even like as far as a taste besides just nutritional value uh, i'll go with turkey is rebby the chef of the house hardy or do you cook do yeah she is definitely she she is the chef uh senior benjamin is uh, he's a hell of a chef as well he, he can't cook he can cook up some mean puerto rican food and hispanic food but she she is the cook and she is she is quite an excellent cook as well i like that that's good stuff there that's always uh, always a perk when you you marry someone who can cook no doubt about yes that. uh let's see here Lindsay asks do you ever see yourself opening a wrestling school I could definitely see myself opening a wrestling school. I'll be honest with you. When I first built the Dome of Deletion, a 6,000 foot, 6,000 square foot building in my backyard, uh, my mentality is that like uh, I, I should have a wrestling ring because I've, you know, attained so much success because of professional wrestling. So my first original thought when I build this, I said, well, I'll have this. It'll be a ring where I can work out in if I have people that need to come work out they can i said maybe one day I'll, I'll have a wrestling school school here and then later as time went on i was like hold up having kids and being married and a family like no i don't want this to be a place where people i don't know 
end up coming and visiting, you know, in a wrestling school. So I wouldn't have a wrestling school here in the Dome of Deletion, even though that was one of my early mindsets when uh, as uh, silly and young and single Matt Hardy was building that that uh, structure. But no, I, I would love to have a wrestling school. I think it'd be fun. I, I enjoy training people. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy seeing people grow as performers and just as, as pro wrestlers. You know, I love this genre obviously so much. And it just, it, it's such a, such a unique skill of being an entertainer and a teller. So it's something I enjoy doing. And in that way, I still, if I'm not able to wrestle and take bumps as an active in-ring competitor, it still allows me to have a role in in-ring stuff. So I would definitely be up for having a training school and I would enjoy being a trainer. That's why I knew you'd be great for this podcast because you'd have a lot to offer people. And I have not been disappointed on that front yet. And I don't anticipate that I will be. Let's see here. We got Misty. I know you're going to like this question. Uh, we all know your love for Dexter and Breaking Bad, among others. Is there any other shows or characters that you're currently into? Yeah, I, I'm a big uh, TV show, uh, series, television. I love that. You know, currently, I am watching the the fourth and final season of Ozark. Uh, big, big fan of Ozark. Some other stuff that I watched after that that I really got into was uh, you know, Blacklist. I enjoyed their stuff a lot. Uh, True Blood, uh, Justified. Uh, I, I've enjoyed Better Call Saul, obviously, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad. Um, Your Honor, just recently with, with Brian Cranston. I enjoy Brian Cranston's work, obviously, from the Breaking Bad stuff and Heisenberg and Walter White. But yeah, TV shows are, uh, there's a lot of inspiration, I find, uh, for different characters and ideas in pro wrestling from television shows. I think where you can see some sort of spe uh, specific trait about a character or maybe the way it says something. And there's always, you can kind of in incorporate it into uh, what you're doing, especially if something fits in the right context. So I, I enjoy those things. Uh, most recent show though, is it's Ozark that I'm watching. I've heard, I've heard a lot about Yellowstone. I know Yellowstone has a lot of, a lot of love for it out there. So I'm, uh, I'm going to start watching that pretty soon. There was a chance to spin off of this. It was funny. I was going through our, ask matt i searched ask matt on twitter and i guess someone else didn't ask matt it wasn't for our podcast but it was a good question that i want to know the answer to so jc bells uh tweeted uh iron man or captain america because i think that's a nice little spinoff you, you've talked about how you loved comic books growing up and yes. all that stuff so iron man or captain america yeah uh and i'll say this if i did it before i watched the uh, Marvel Comics Universe cinematic stuff, I would have probably said Captain America, but Tony Stark uh, with Robert Downey Jr. Man. is just so good. It's Iron Man. Man. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's the best. It's it's definitely Iron Man. Uh, I've enjoyed his stuff so much. He, he was just excellent in the role, and, and he just made Iron Man such uh, enjoyable, likable character, and his whole story arc in Marvel universe, you know, like they may change it. Like it, it, it could change times or universes or planes or dimensions or whatever, but the stuff that he did, you know, leading through to his finale was all so, so good. So, so good. And also I even want to throw this in on the last deal. Like uh, I went back and watched the Sopranos, mm -hmm. which I heard people rant and rave about for years and years and years. And I absolutely did love it. Uh, the Sopranos stuff was so, so good. And I watched The Shield, too, which is The Shield and The Wire, which are two shows that I missed because I was working nonstop back in the day. You know, so I also caught up with those shows. They're, they're both excellent also. Ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? 
I, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I, I I know it's good stuff. Um, and I feel like I'm more of a, a drama person, Overcome. you know, like, uh, you know, as opposed to like a, a comedy or just fun kind of skit show, whatever it may be. But I, I I'm up for watching that. anything. What's that? This show is up your alley. I, I have no doubt you would fall in love with it. So, yeah, I, so I'll, I'll have to check it out. I'll put them on the list. Uh, yeah, man. Tony Stark's the man. Robert Downey Jr.'s the man. I feel like if Big Money Matt were a baby face, it's Tony Stark. And that's the way to approach that. Just an idea to think about. Uh, one of our Ad Free Show's top guys, James, asked, after the Orlando Mania return, how did you feel backstage after a huge pop on the entrance in winning the titles? I will forever remember that moment. Great show. I love listening to you and Alba. Mad love for Odom, too. Great podcast. Now, I don't want you to go too in-depth here because... Yep. Spoiler alert, we're going to be doing a WrestleMania 33 episode in about a month and a half or so. But give us a little tease here. This is an iconic WrestleMania moment when the emotions are coming down a little bit backstage. How does it feel? Probably the most rewarding thing after that match is that we got through it. Uh, everything was successful. We got an amazing reaction. But it was just nice that it was over. <laughs> that mm -hmm. we no, no longer had to hold that secret. And now for, for my brother, it was killing him me not 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 as much but it, it was nice just to 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 get through all that and and still have it remain somewhat of a secret and and it, it didn't get out there it wasn't hugely leaked there was no confirmation about it and we kind of pulled it off so that was the most rewarding thing and it was also there were so many people that worked for WWE that we were like legitimate friends with other people we stayed in such close contact with and they were so surprised and shocked it was just so great to see all those guys again you know and there were a lot of guys that obviously you know, gave us a lot of made up hokey drama about not letting them know we were coming back like that. Like, why would you do that in surprises? <laughs> oh, man, Matt, I was there for that. And when we talk about it in long form, it was a very special moment. And I can't wait to share that with you. Um, yes. Let's keep going here. We've got a question from Joseph. You said Macho Man was your favorite wrestler growing up. Did you ever get to cross paths with him? I did. Whenever we were working as extras in WWE, uh, I got to have a couple interactions with them. Just uh, very short, small conversation, and just you know introduce myself and meet them, which was which was cool in the big scheme of things. It's always nice to to meet guys you idolize when you were growing up. So it's cool that that I got to do that. Is that where you get the elbow drop from? Now that you're doing that, that is why that when I was doing the elbow drop is high voltage, and whenever I would do it later on in my career, it did. It stemmed from Macho Man originally. Lance asks, is Matt jealous that Jeff got to work with Randy Savage in TNA back in 2004? Yeah, I am not going to lie. I was a little jealous. I was definitely envious that Jeff Jeff got to wrestle with him. I thought that was super cool because I would have loved to have done that to be, you know, involved, you know, in a segment with him uh, or, or in a match, you know, to work against him or be his partner, whatever it may be. It was so cool that we got to do that with like Shawn Michaels which was a, a guy who was a big inspiration for myself and Jeff. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, Macho Man being my guy, you know, in the beginning, I was, I was, I was quite envious. Jeff got to work with him in, in TNA. Very short run Macho Man had there in TNA and Jeff Hardy. Yes. Yeah. He was part of that. So that's pretty cool. Great question from Ringside Rant. We've heard throughout the history of the term ring general. In regards to singles wrestlers, that's typically where you hear it. Being the tag team generals that you and your brother were slash are, who do you see currently and also from the past that could be considered? tag team ring generals mm, that is a great question when i think about back kind of back in my day uh when i think back a little bit that was your jbl impression came out there a little bit 
I don't know. When the Hardy <laughs> I was, I was Boys just, turn on yeah. Michael Hayes, they will kill him. When the Hardy Boys turn on Michael Hayes, they will kill him. Uh, you have to put that nice Texas drawl in there. Uh, I feel like that was a little more Jack Lanza, you know, mm-hmm. like a, the, the old timer who who's the you know producer at that point, whatever, who's the, the age, you know, Jack Lanza was he, you know, he'd be smoking back in my day, you know, and then they go to tell you some horseshit story about how things were so much better back then. <laughs> like I do to the young guys now. <laughs> they were the um, tag team ring generals there. Uh, I, I, for me, I would, and I've never worked with them, obviously, but I think Edge and Christian are probably right up there. With, without a doubt. I mean, you know, if you look back in that era, I, I don't think a ton of people uh, that were, you know, really involved on the scene, I don't think they would say Jeff, because I was kind of the guy that would put, put shit together. Jeff would go out there and be the rock star. But Edge and Christian, they, they both would. And then Bubba from the Dudleys, Bubba was the guy that was kind of the tag team general in, in, in their matches in that scenario. And then like current day stuff like uh, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson is really good too, but Matt Jackson is really, really good at like structuring tag team matches. Both, uh, both of the, the FTR guys are, are really good. They're really smart in, in what they do. Uh, I, I think that the Briscoes, are really smart, like especially Jay, like from a perspective of like knowing what he is and structuring a match around what they do and kind of what their persona is. I think they're 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 real good with that too. There, there's a, a feeling nowadays it, it's easier to find. I feel like just because things are open a little more, I think people have a much better grasp on tag team wrestling because it's a little more accepted outside of WWE. And I think AEW has done a great job in like making tag team wrestling appear like it can be the main event of a show that it can go on last, you know? And just because of that, I feel like there are people who give tag team wrestling a lot more love, a lot more love than it used to have 20 or 30 years ago. And, and that was probably primarily because WWE was the only game in town and Vince was always looking for a single star to be working for the world heavyweight championship. And that's the guy he was going to focus all his attention on. Richie asks, hey, Matt, I loved your Cruiserweight Championship match with Rey Mysterio on SmackDown in 2003. Was it always planned to be the main event of that show? And how did you feel about being in the Cruiserweight division? Yes, it was always planned to be the main event of that show, which we'd built up some momentum coming off uh, the WrestleMania matchup where we opened that show. And it was once again maybe story of my life, story, story of my career, story of being a pro wrestler in WWE. Uh, we lost a lot of time right before we went out there. So we, we kind of burned through that match as well, but we were still happy with it. And it was, it was a good, exciting uh, pace setter for the opening of WrestleMania as well. But once we got to the deal, and I know we'd specifically waited till Anaheim. So we're, we're it was the closest location to Rey Mysterio's hometown and uh, almost against WWE policies, you know, we we're going to put over the, you know, the local guy huge in his hometown. And it was cool because his family was there. And in my mind, anytime I see Dominic on TV, Dominic is kind of froze in my mind at the age he was there. Both of Ray's kid, Dominic and Aaliyah, they, they both, that's always how I think of them as young children like that. And I'm sure there's people who know me, they will always think about Maxwell and Wolfie and Barty at the, the age and size they are now from, from meeting them and interacting with them. When I was first pitched this cruiserweight title thing, I was initially I'd gotten over pretty pretty good as Matt Hardy version one the Sensei of Matitude, and I was originally going to go into a program with Edge, and then there were some political forces. WCW had just came on board that were I I don't think were in my corner, 
And then I got pushed out of this and Edge ended up working with A-Train. And, and Adam at that time had been pushing to work with me in a singles program and elevate me as a singles as well. You know, obviously we'd been friends coming off all our past rivalries and, and work together. So once that was kind of thrown out the window and I get, didn't get to work with him, you know, like for, you know, on that intercontinental U.S. title level, and then they didn't really have anything for me. Then they offered me the cruiserweight thing and, and the story about, you know, losing weight, whatever. And I think a lot of people would have looked at that and said, oh, my God, well, I'm being, you know, this is this is a downgrade. You know, he's being th- buried. You know, you're right. This this other thing, this other thing that he was supposed to do, which could have been cool. He didn't get to do it. So they're they're going to give him something else. But, you know, they're, they're kind of they're kind of burying him. They're kind of putting him in the cruiserweight division, make him look bad. I was like, shit. Yeah, man, I'll try to make that. You know, I can do that as Matt Hardy version one. I'll try to make it entertaining and started coming up with all those skits like Shannon was my you know trainer and he was trying to help me drop all the weight. And I was supposed to be almost like a, a pseudo fake cruiserweight and then obviously get in there and win the cruiserweight title and then do something with Ray at WrestleMania. And, and I think because I embraced it and I said like, okay, I'm going to own this and I'm going to make it as good as I possibly can. I feel like the initial plan was for me to win the cruiserweight title, but then I was going to go to WrestleMania and probably drop it against Ray, but it started getting over and I was like, so into it. And I think Vince could even see how hard I was working for it. That's where they changed that finish. The original finish was Ray was going to beat me at WrestleMania. And they changed that finish so they could drag it out and build it to uh, a bigger match, you know, where Ray could end up winning the title because like they thought we had some, uh, had some legs to that program. So that, that was cool. And that was also quite, uh, quite the compliment. So we ended up going all the way to the big match in Anaheim that we did on that uh, television show where, where Ray ultimately overcame the, the villain in Matt Hardy version one and, and won the Cruiserweight title in front of his family. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get to say you got to work Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania, that's that's a pretty cool feather in your cap, I'd have to think. Yeah, yeah, Ray, Ray's a, Ray, Ray is the best. Ray is the best, which you just reminded me too. I've got to return his text. I was supposed to, I was going to give him some information about uh, where I got my weights for my gym. And uh, I'd almost forgotten to contact him back, being the busy man that I am with all this gaggle of children and all my responsibilities. <laughs> Well, he's on the cover of WWE uh, 2K22, so that's pretty cool, too. So uh, kudos to him on that. The Anxious Painter says, uh, I suffer from really bad agoraphobia and panic disorders. I've looked up to Matt for decades and had the pleasure to meet him a few times. I would really love his advice on fighting this, taking my daughter Ruby to her first AW show with a friend in Connecticut and very nervous. Man, uh, uh, I'm sorry to hear about that, and I'm sorry that you suffer from that condition that 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 sounds tough and challenging the biggest thing i can say is that you know everybody at some point in their life is going to go through some sort of battle and is going to have to overcome something just hang in there man and be as tough as you can possibly be and and you know what whatever your doctor says whatever you know the professionals say that is the best for you i would say go with that and just try and try and have confidence and have faith in yourself you know that, that you can do it always stay optimistic always stay positive i feel like that's the the most important thing in life altogether you know whenever you are dealing with a tough scenario you have to stay positive you have to stay optimistic and you have to believe in yourself and believe that you can do it you are as strong as you believe you are so i hope you can overcome this i hope you guys get to come i hope i get to run into you and meet you and i hope you guys have the time of your life whenever you come to that aw show in connecticut i i guarantee you that all the aw crew is going to do everything they can to to help entertain you and give you the time of your life i hope you can enjoy it 
Bridgeport, Connecticut. That is a place I spent uh, a lot of time in college there, uh, covering mm-hmm. events at that arena over in Bridgeport. So that should be a fun little show, kind of unique market to hit too. So uh, have a good time at that show. And I totally feel everything Matt said on that front. Uh, Eric asks, uh, Matt is surrounded by musicians, the likes of Jeff and Revy. Does he play an instrument and why does he seem to be drawn to musicians? Interesting. Um, I didn't really have the case in Jeff. It wasn't that I was drawn to him. I was just kind of stuck with him. (laughs) I came first, by the way. I'm the oldest. You did. Um, And then my wife, she, she does, she, she dabbles in everything. She's like, she's really a Jill of all trades. I mean, if there's something she wants to do, she'll like, uh, she'll delve into it and she'll figure it out and she'll make it work and she'll do it incredibly well. I, I wish I could play an instrument. Uh, you know, I feel like it might be too late in the game for me. I have so many other interests in, in what's going on and I, I wish I could sing. I wish I had a good singing voice. I like rapping. I think I'm a half decent rapper, but I, I enjoy writing lyrics if I, I do do that, you know, so, so that maybe that is my contribution to the music business. I enjoy writing lyrics. I used to write rap songs all the time and sometimes I would record things. Maybe a little known mad fact, not mad fiction, is in John Cena's first album, which wasn't fully released. I recorded a song with him, which I actually went to the recording studio studio with him in Boston and, and did a song where I had a, have a verse in one of John Cena's first songs that he did for his very first album, which was a lot of fun and very cool. So yeah, I, I think I'm just drawn to these musicians, uh, one because they're my brother and the other because she's my wife. So that, that would be my answer to that. We're going to have to pull that up. I did not know that, that you were involved with matt on that that's really cool i mean we're involved with john on that rather um i'm distracted because i'm pulling this up here yeah i i I don't even know i'm trying to think if it's posted online somewhere i I do have a copy of it i'll have to i'll have to make sure you hear it i would love to hear you rap Um, i bring this up because um you know i I work on the indies uh doing my character and someone one time brought a sign to show that said uh, alba still listens to john cena's cd uh, that was my yeah, yeah. big heel heat that I've got. So uh, I've got some Matt Hardy heat too, I guess, if he's uh, in conjunction on that. That's good stuff <laughs> there, man. I'll teach you how to play guitar. I'll you. <laughs> um, Rob asks, what is your favorite Royal Rumble of all time? I th- I'm biased in this answer, but I would say my favorite Royal Rumble is the 2003 Royal Rumble where I had uh, the the long in-ring run as Matt Hardy version one and my little mf or Mattitude follower Shannon Moore was outside the ring, and anytime I would be thrown out of the ring, he would get down on his back or be underneath me, trying to press me up either with his legs or his arms or whatever. And he was sacrificing himself to make sure that I didn't get eliminated from that Royal Rumble. And then ultimately, at the end, the Beast, uh, Brock Lesnar, is the one who who eliminates me with the F five over the top rope. But that that was uh, I really enjoyed my performance. That was one of my my favorite Royal Rumbles personally. It's an underrated Rumble. I like that one a lot. Um, yeah. Brock Lesnar has a thing with being really good in Royal Rumble matches. He just won another one. I don't know if you heard that or not, but he did. So, oh wow, <laughs> he, that kid might just make it someday. You know, he might. Uh, he's got a future there. All right, listen, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or maybe even just unwind after a long day. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year, 2020, right? Finally here. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product they can feel good about? I've had many family members over the years who had struggles switching from cigarettes, and I wish they had a product like this that would have made the process so much easier with so much versatility and dynamics in terms of different flavors and options. So if you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co and use promo code HARDY at checkout. Also, I have to read this disclaimer, warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code, Hardy. Let's take a time out here. And while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic. Life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one 42 with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place. Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, Goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at Goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately and check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. I sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at Goliathlife.com. Hey, I want to take a moment and remind you that you're listening to this podcast as part of the Podcast Heat Network. Podcast Heat features shows from all around the spectrum, ranging from sports to wrestling to politics to lifestyle and everything in between. And it's the fastest growing podcast network in all the world. So 
why not join us and get in on some of the fun? You can learn how your business can be part of the extreme life of Matt Hardy by just logging on to podcastheat.com and click on the show. That's podcastheat.com. Uh, Caleb Bass, who are some of your favorite opponents? Hmm. Nice, easy question. Straightforward. Yeah, I, I would say as a tag team, the favorite our favorite tag team opponents that Jeff and I had were Edge and Christian, without a doubt. I would say underneath them would probably be the Bucks of Youth. And maybe, who knows, maybe down the road now that Jeff is, uh, you know, free from Mick Mahan, you know, maybe we could revisit that one day. Uh, I loved working with both Christian and Edge as singles wrestlers. I enjoyed working with Ray Mysterio. He was definitely one of my favorite opponents. I love the program I had with MVP. He was, we were very grateful from a personality perspective, you know, going back and forth and, and bantering and volleying. Uh, I, I enjoy wrestling Jeff, you know, now as well. You know, we wrestled when we were younger. There were some times where I feel like we were put in situations that were pretty tough to, to make work because people, we were so loved together. But, but I did have enjoy wrestling Jeff as well. And then... I enjoyed working with Mark Henry in ECW, as crazy as that sounds, too. I, I really enjoyed Mark. I feel like he he was clicking, and he got it at that time. I, I enjoyed working with Mark. He he was really easy to work with being a big man, uh, you know, and, and working that style. But he, he would work hard for whoever the guy was he was working against. So there's been a lot of people. But, I mean, the, the guys that stand out, probably first and foremost, that I would say, Edge, Christian, Young Bucks, uh, Rey Mysterio, and my brother. Very cool. Well, you brought it up, so I'll, I'll bring it up. We got this question from like 40 people, so I'm not going to attribute it to anyone. Uh, do you think we could see Jeff Hardy at AEW sometime soon? There's a lot of chatter as we tape this going on about right. some Forbidden Door stuff. And, uh, you know, this episode drops on Friday, so who's to say how TV plays out? But uh, what's the deal here, Matt? You're, you're a pretty transparent guy. You're doing appearances with Jeff Hardy coming up real soon here at the beginning of March. Do you think we'll be seeing Jeff show up in AEW? Jeff's no compete clause runs until March 9th. So that's March 9th, 2022. So as of March 10th, he will be free to do whatever. And then he could negotiate with somebody or, you know, work for another big company uh, that has television, whatever it may be. And uh, do I think Jeff Hardy could end up coming to AEW and teaming with Matt Hardy again? As they say in the wrestling business, never say never. Anything's possible. We're definitely going to be working together, and, and we'll see if, uh, if the planets align and we do get the opportunity to become the greatest team in all of space and time once more. That's awesome. And I think it's something that a lot of people would like to see. So I guess we'll find out. Uh, Rana asks, can we see soon a second part of your autobiography exist to inspire us? The book ended with 2003. A lot of things have happened after that. Yeah, Ron. I mean, I was just talking about this a couple of nights ago. I've, I've had a couple of people that have kind of reached out about writing uh, another autobiography and they have his Jeff as well. There's one guy who'd been on Jeff to write his autobiography forever. And I, I feel like now <laughs> we actually have content to like write a book. I remember thinking when we wrote a book initially, I was like, God, we were so young and we'd done so little in life. You know, we have pretty amazing stories like with the 
whole wrestling, you know, in our backyards on trampolines and, and the story that I told last week on, you know, the extreme life of Matt Hardy, the whole Omega story, it's, it's all very intriguing and, and inspirational in many ways, you know, but now we have truly lived life. We've had like these amazing successes and we've had, you know, we've had these, you know, downs, we've been in peaks and valleys. So there's so much we could write about now, which would really be a book uh, that, that would be not just juicy, but also I feel like pretty motivational and inspirational, you know, so I, I have definitely thought about it. And when the time is right, I, I would definitely write a book again and make sure it is out, you know, probably when it's the best case scenario for like publishing something and being in a spot where I can push it as hard as possible and it will do the, the best that he can. But yeah, I, I'm definitely into to doing another book and, and I will do another book before it's all said and done. I also feel like this podcast, if, if I can toot it a little bit, kind of serves as like an avenue for you to tell those stories in even long form. So, and with it being in an archive, it allows for you to do that in one way as well. Okay. And I had just said to you before you dropped off, I said, you know, if I can toot the podcast here, this podcast is kind of like, an episodic book in its own right each each and every week that allows you to delve in deep every single week it really is i mean this is like a, a great outline of a book for sure because we talk about things in a like long form and it, it's very enjoyable so i feel like if you are listening to this podcast even on this episode where we're doing uh you know ask Matt anything ama you know i like to give very detailed answers because as i've said many times you know i think the uh you know, the, the details are very important. I love the details. I love paying close attention to the details. The devil is in the details. So it, it is. This is a, a a great, fun audio book in many, many ways. Yes, absolutely. And you can subscribe to it anywhere you get your podcast. Leave that five-star review. Uh, he also has another question. This is a good one. When can we see Matt Hardy take more roles in writing scripts and doing creative works as we're sure that Matt has the creativity and genuity to make the industry improve as he did in the past with the Hardy Boys? That would definitely be a scenario that I would start doing once once I'm finished in ring. You know, once I am no longer a wrestling in ring competitor, I will venture into those areas, you know, as far as coaching or producing, you know, or being a creative guy who, who kind of helps loan out and helps create these magical ideas to kind of like drive characters and, and drive feuds and whatnot. So yeah, that would be after my in-ring days are done. Maybe you can like set a ladder up. It'll be like a cartoon. You'll be able to seesaw him up in the air and he'll suspend an air and then come back down. Well, you could see some up in there, but it's all, it ain't going to mean shit unless you have a good robe on. Maybe maybe a robe made of forks, knobs, and spoons. And then you hit that son of a bitch with a boom. I say we should call it the JLT. Just like that. I don't even know if I said that. That was what Michael proposed for the twist of fate one time. Call it the JLT. Call it just like that. You got to incorporate a move into your move set now before your career is over the jlt the jlt Man. maybe so yeah no why I, I brought that up because your career it's so ironic he was one of your favorites and there are now so many parallels yeah and you one day could follow that path of helping create the next generation of stars like he is so i just think that's really cool it is all right we got one from matt and he wants to know matt 
what's your favorite food? We heard you preferred turkey over ham before, but what's your favorite food in general? I'm saying, Matt, we're going out to a restaurant anywhere you want. Your birthday, happy birthday. What do you want? <laughs> Hello, Matt, with two T's. Well, it, it, it always kind of depends. A lot of times my food and what I am currently eating kind of depends on my diet at that time. And right now, being that I'm trying to get back into uh, a, a real strict diet and an eating plan and like fasting at night which is tough, which I really enjoy eating. I love eating. Uh, there's so many great things out there. Right now, currently, I would say my favorite things would be like uh, a spicy tuna poke bowls. Oh, the best. That, that stands out to me. The best. You can't beat that. Uh, I love like, uh, and my wife makes these. This is a Rebbe, uh, a Rebbe Hardy specialty, like uh, chicken lettuce wraps with tofu in them where she'll put like this nice barbecue sauce on the chicken. That, that is so good. And I feel like rice is probably my my go-to thing. And I'm also a big grilled seafood guy too. I like that a lot now. You know, like grilled scallops oh, yeah. or blackened shrimp, whatever it may be, and a nice fish. Uh, that stuff is so great. Because I've tried to cut back too on also like just my red meat in general, just because that stuff is a lot harder to digest. And I just did a video that I posted a couple of days ago on my social media saying that, you know, I really am going to bust my ass and do everything I can to, to op, get in the optimal shape that I can, you know, at this stage of the game, considering my age and, you know, how full my bump cards, plural are, um, I, I really am. I'm, I'm going to work as hard as I can because this uh, AHFO story, like, I don't know, we haven't found success in it, you know, the first couple of weeks and, and my motivation whether you look at this from the story or, or not the story, it really doesn't make a difference. I want to do something in AEW that is going to be successful and I want to be hot and get heated up again. And it's one of those things I understand there's peaks and valleys. You, you don't stay over all the time. Most people don't. There's a, a rare occasion here and there, but most times, you know, it's a cosine curve. You're up and then you're down. You're up and then you're down. So I, I'm, I'm ready to heat back up again and, and get into a hot scenario and even asking about these foods that I'm eating, eating a little healthier, I, I really am going all in, committing myself, trying to sleep the right amount and train the right amount, you know, update my training where there's a lot more yoga driven stuff in it and like lightweight stuff, because I just need to be as athletic and hopefully improve my flexibility as much as possible. Not to mention you're working with a guy like Andrade right now, who is one of the best in-ring talents in the world, who is in incredible shape, outstanding suit game, by the way, need to put that over. Andrade's <laughs> suit game is unbelievable. And uh, that's that's some high expectations to be living up to, Matt, having to work with a guy like that. So you do got to be in great shape. It's it's tricky, especially in pro wrestling. I mean, you know, they they made this junk this joke over and over when I was young, saying, "Oh, well, it's a young man's game," you know. But once I'm working with guys that you know, a lot of these guys I work with are 20 years younger than I am, you know. And then when you think about all oh, pulling my body through, like you know, it's still I, I want to bust my ass and work as hard so I can still be work on the highest level with these guys, like on their same level, you know, so that that's a challenge, but you know, I'm all about challenges. I love working hard to, to uh, not only accept challenges, but to, to win these challenges. So we got a few more questions here. I don't want you to go too in depth on this question because we are doing a whole series on the broken character, but I'd like to give a little mm -hmm. teaser perhaps with it. Top guy, Michael asks, what was more challenging initially creating the broken universe or developing it in such a way that the storylines could evolve and develop? Creating the broken universe for me, it, that wasn't hard at all. It was easy. I mean, 
I would say probably, in all honesty, without going too deep into this, uh, the most challenging part of it for me, and also Jeremy Borash at the same time, was just getting too outrageous, too out of the uh, parameters of pro wrestling, especially typical pro wrestling. Because I, I would I would have loved to have turned all the fucking uh, all the broken universe stuff into like uh you know uh a tv series a tv show you know it would have been over the top where it would have been taken out of context as far as being like a sports environment you know i would i would have went you know far far above that so that that would probably be that was the greatest challenge uh, probably trying to stay within classic pro wrestling storylines you have a lot of like adult swim influence going on there and all that kind of stuff because i feel like yeah. it's a non sequitur and yeah, it's something along the lines of Adult Swim. I've never watched it deeply, but as you know, Salad Fingers was yep. a, a, a big inspiration for the broken Matt Hardy step True Blood. Uh, the idea, you know, that vampires are immortal and live forever and they live through different time periods, that there was a lot of inspiration there. And something I'm going to do whenever we actually do this in long form, I'm going to give the uh, the history about how I created and connected with the seven deities and the story behind that is something i've never shared okay ever Looking forward to hearing it mm-hmm. uh kevin says because i was a huge fan of the hardy show and still have all the seasons on dvd my question is do you still have a shot here and there of the goose referring to gray goose <laughs> uh yeah i'm not i'm not, I'm not, not really a, a drinker nowadays but th- those were those were fun times with the goose and if i'm not mistaken i feel like i looked over these questions and somebody asked about the traveler's lodge if you have that question there as well i almost combined these into one answer yes i can you do know, we that. had a when is the last yeah. time you clubbed someone and yeah where can you still get the club from i've been a huge fan since the beginning of the hardy show webcast so, so to, to you, John, and everyone else out there that is listening to this currently, basically we had a bit on the Hardy Show that had started where someone had a, a party. It was this guy named Jimbo who actually did a gimmick. I think his name was Dick Foley when he was like a, a Mick Foley cosplayer, so to say. I think Mick was Mick was hot about him too. He was mad he was doing <laughs> his gimmick. But like this, this, this guy had uh, had a little party and he had some vodka there at the time and it was traveler's lodge and it was like the super you know bottom shelf you know the cheapest vodka you could possibly get and then like we did a deal where we'd have this flask and we would fill it up with this traveler's lodge this cheap ass vodka and we go here you go man here you go have a shot of this gray goose you know and once they would drink it and if they would say oh my god it's so good thank you so much for giving me a shot of the gray goose you know you were clubbed because they were obviously trolled, you know, like they thought it was this good, high quality top shelf vodka, but it was this bullshit Traveler's Lodge vodka. And that that became a bit, you know, and then like someone would have to call it out like that it wasn't it wasn't Grey Goose, you know, and then if they would, then they actually got a shot of Grey Goose. It was like an ongoing bit we had on the Hardy Show at one point. So, yeah, I haven't done that in a while. I haven't I haven't really uh, been involved in any of these juvenile pranks. Well, I, I got to take that back too. But the last couple of days, <laughs> my kids and wife are running around wearing oh. uh, huggy wuggy costumes, trying to prank one another and scare each other with dolls and costumes. Dude, your kids it's- are rivers, man. I saw I saw on Rebby's TikTok, which everyone should go check out, uh, Maxel uh, pulling a hot one on Wolfgang uh, with oh, yeah. uh, with a doll or something like that. He was not yeah. about it. Yeah, it was uh, a huggy wuggy. Like I, I didn't know him until now, That's but now he's okay. He, yeah, Huggy Wuggy is involved in my everyday life now at some point. 
That's awesome. Uh, by the way, the traveler's question came from Lindsay as well. She's one yeah. of Ad Free Shows faithful. Very great stuff there from Thank her. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, let's see here. Like I said, I got a couple more for you. Uh, Kevin also asked, what is your favorite match you've competed in that didn't involve tables, ladders, or chairs? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, one of the first things that stands out, but I, I feel like it's not a fair answer, is the cage match against Edge, because I love that match, especially from a storytelling uh, aspect, but it, it did have a chair involved in it. Straight up um, wrestling match. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I, I just gave you my initial gut reaction. I think straight up wrestling match, probably it wasn't the, the greatest match that we've ever had, but just a match where Matt and Jeff Hardy beat the APA in Fedville, North Carolina for the World Tag Team titles. It was a, a shorter match, but it was a, a kick-ass, little explosive, short, fun match. It was just a big deal to us because that was our dream. That's why we got into this whole insanity in the first place to become the, you know, world tag team champions and be the greatest team in the world, you know, just, just one time. And if we could do it one time, you know, all our dreams were, were done. We achieved everything we wanted to do. And obviously we got to do that multiple times over. So that, that, that is very cool, but that is the match I would go with because that, that was just a big deal for us winning the tag team titles, uh, being WWE World Tag Team Champions, especially being a, a powerhouse team like the APA, that, that was a big deal to us. And you didn't even need forks, knives, or spoons to get it done. How about that? Just a cane. <laughs> well, that was a pretty big match for you guys. Ben asked, was there a time in your career where you felt scared or anxious before a big match? And how do you deal with those kinds of feelings? I think that is something that happens if you if you know you have a big match coming up there's a lot of content in it there's probably some you know risky things you're doing or there's some stuff you're worried if you're going to pull off or not I feel like that's kind of where the pressure and the nerves come from which is, it's a good thing too I think it, it it it's it's a it's a healthy thing because it is motivational and I think it's good to feel that way and still be nervous that means that you love what you're doing and you want to do it as good as you possibly can so some of the matches for sure, like those big WrestleMania matches, you know, were, were very stressful. Uh, if you're having a match where you have like a lot of content and, and you're worried some of the stuff might be hard to pull off, I feel like that's kind of that's kind of when it happens, you know, or if you're just on such a in, in such a high profile match that, you know, so many people are going to be watching and you just want to be obviously at your very best. You know, you wanted to, to go practically perfect. Those are the times I feel like you get the most nervous. And sometimes having, you know, having those nerves, you know, ha having that stomach, you know, the tingle of the stomach, sometimes it's a positive thing. It's a good motivator. Got three more here for you, Matt. And again, if you didn't get your question read this week, we're going to do more episodes of this in the future. And every single week here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, we take questions from you guys on the topic at hand. So don't be afraid to send us your tweets, hashtag AskMatt, at Matt Hardy Pod, at Matt Hardy Brand, and at John Alba. We will get them in. I promise you that. And we do oh, just so keep, keep, keep them coming. Keep them Absolutely. Coming. Keep them coming. We'll go back into the archive, get some. Uh, Carl asks, have you ever met an athlete or actor or actress that never stepped in the ring that you think might make a great wrestler? We're seeing a uh, Johnny Knoxville right now in WWE <laughs> something cooking with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn takes, in my opinion, I don't know. I've never spoken to him about this, but there's some clear Matt Hardy character work influence in Sami Zayn's game. Uh, he's doing great work. He's going to do something with Johnny Knoxville. Are there any celebrities or actors, actresses that you think might make that transition? Gosh. Or be good uh, do at you know it? Who, 
do you do you know who's in my mind just to begin with? And it's not really a, a fair answer because they have wrestled, but Stephen Amell, I think if he yep. decided to wrestle, I think he would be great. I mean, because not only is he built well and athletic, but he actually likes pro wrestling. And that's usually when the best pro wrestler are people who are fans in the beginning, because, you know, they, they know it and they understand it and kind of get how it works. And it's so cool. I've got to uh, actually get to, get to know him, get to talk to him, have conversations with him at a, at a few comic cons, you know, especially in the last couple of years. And um, it was so funny how, couple of his matches he said like his wife has said like oh you know you can't wrestle again that's it you know and and i get that because there is such a level of danger to it being a a pro wrestler it's not like you know you're acting and doing a show and then you know you have a stuntman that can kind of come in and do the dangerous gig you know we are stuntmen in athletic contests that are also performers and you know we're doing theater a whole lot of stuff going on in a pro wrestling match there's so many different forms of entertainment that connect in one juncture but Stephen Amell, I think, as far as a straight-up actor who's like a legit great actor, I think he would be amazing as a pro wrestler as well. I'm looking it up right now because I'm trying to see if you were there when this happened. Um, I don't think you were, but did you catch any of the D'Angelo Williams stuff in TNA when they brought him in, the former NFL running back? Mm, yeah, that's right. He was, yeah, he was, he was really outstanding. Good too. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. I, I, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't think about him because we the specific question said actor. Yeah. But like, no, he, he was. He was. He was great. And also, he was the fan too. You could tell. You could tell from his performance that it, people who aren't fans, they kind of like just don't know how wrestling goes. And someone who is a fan, you can tell like if they're doing something, they kind of envision in their mind how they see it happening because they've seen it before in the past you know, in some, in, in some way, you know, so that that's very beneficial to those people and trainings. If you're training someone from the jump, like if they know wrestling and they're a fan of wrestling, they are much easier to train than someone who's never seen pro wrestling in their life. Were you there when, I mean, you were there, but like, were you there, there when Kevin Federline did his program with John Cena back in the day? I was there. Yeah. Any recollections of that? Anything that you can share with us on that? Because for those who don't remember, Kevin Federline was Britney Spears's ex-husband who, this is like peak 2006 pop culture. He is like huge, big time celebrity. And he comes in and works a match on New Year's Day with John Cena. Um, pretty incredible. Most people would kill for a spot like that. Kevin Federline got it. You have any recollections of that? I, I just remember when when he was there, he was one of the celebrities who were just kind of like, you know, tucked away in their own dressing room and just kind of like doing his own thing. I, I, a lot of times it would be cool, like when we would go to like the L.A. markets, you know, or markets where some celebrities might live and they would come out. Like, for instance, uh, Jack Perry, Jungle Boy's dad, Luke Perry, he would be there coming. And it's funny, like Trish and I, we've joked about how, you know, he, he would talk to us and he was like a fan. And obviously, you know, he would you know, support his son being a pro wrestler and the whole PWG deal, whatnot. Uh, guys like that who are fans uh, who come and they interact with the guys and kind of like want to like meet some of the guys that they see on TV and like see what they're like and kind of see what it's like behind the scenes. I, I feel like those guys are a lot more interesting. I feel like Kevin Federline, he was there strictly to do promotion. <laughs> that, you know, he was in there, he came, he was doing his gig, but he was just strictly to do promotion. He didn't really, he didn't care about the wrestling aspect at all. Main evented Raw against John Cena. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers who would kill for that opportunity, uh, but he got to do it. Uh, we got a question from Matty P. 
will we ever get a version of Surge in AEW? It's funny, when I brought up the high voltage stuff with WWE last week and how you could have taken advantage of that, people were like, oh my God, I never thought of that. Could we ever see Surge show up in AEW? I feel like the closest you're going to get to seeing Surge in AEW was whenever I teamed up with the Young Bucks and we wrestled against Private Party and Joy Janela on a Dynamite. It was the, the Dynamite after uh, the first ever stadium stampede. And uh, I actually was rocking like the surge outfit with the the headband and the wristbands and the tights. Uh, that, that's probably the closest you're going to get to seeing surge in a pair of tights, Matt Hardy in a pair of tights on dynamite. Now. I'm sure the young bucks probably love that. They, they probably thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah, they did. I, I'm pretty sure that them, being good friends with those guys, they were the ones who were like, hey, we, let, let us team up with Matt. We'll do this with Matt. You know, and I remember pitching that. I said, I don't know, man. Now that that's kind of when I was going to try and establish, you know, just the switching of persona character deal, which, you know, was maybe a little too convoluted for the AW wrestling audience. It was too convoluted for the AW wrestling audience. Uh, but just doing that with them, they, they were like down for it. And it, they were, it was a lot of fun. I know they enjoyed it. We had a great time out there. Well, here's our last question. It comes to us from Chris, and you talk about segues and transitions. This segues perfectly to next week's episode about Big Money, Matt. How do you feel about your current run in AEW? Do you feel that you've created a memorable character that is over with the AEW fan base, or do you want to switch and try something new? That is a good question. Uh, I, I feel that after I stop doing Big Money, Matt, and I go in a different direction, people will look back at this uh, – work that I've done with a, a greater love and respect for it. Uh, I feel like in much like a lot of stuff in current times, people just don't give it the love, you know, uh, while it's active and current and they wait till like it's dead and gone until they really praise something. So I, I think people will look back at this and they will understand. It's like, I'm in a position now where I think if it would have stuck with myself and private party, we would have been a lot more effective together. You know, once we added Butcher and Blade and then, you know, TH2 and Georgia, it, it became watered down a little bit, obviously. But my 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 job was to help those guys and like kind of teach them and train them. And and I did, even if that doesn't always come off on TV and maybe their push doesn't represent it. Like later on down the line, I know I've done things, especially for Private Party and Butcher and Blade that, that, that have helped build them confidence and and help help them grow as performers. And, and that's very important to me. And I take a lot of pride in that as well. So I, I think Big Money Matt has been pretty entertaining for Hill. And like, you know, sometimes when people are mad at me and don't like me, I mean, my, my job isn't for you to like me right now. It's for me to like get under your skin and, and piss you off and eventually have an Orange Cassidy with my ass or whoever it may be, a Darby Allen, whatever. So, so I, I have enjoyed it. And I think once we segue out of this into something different, I think people will look back at it and, and say it was a lot better than they do currently now. So I, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing, especially because it makes my appearances in the ring seem more special. And it, it also allows me to, to, to really truly mentor some younger guys that should have great futures in pro wrestling. Next week, we'll take a deeper dive into the Big Money Matt character, the Italian Stallion, a name you've heard on this podcast many times, and the stories behind that. You've given me some previews of them. They sound really great and almost uh, insane to believe that these things actually happened in real yes. life. And 
uh, the Wii fee was a little more than a Wii fee. In fact, yes. that you had to fork over. So we'll get into it was, that. It was, it was a large charge. <laughs> a large charge. And that is Matt Fact. We'll be talking about that next week here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Really good stuff. You know, Matt, I just launched uh, the Wives of Wrestling podcast here on Podcast Heat. And yes. the two ladies, Giovanna Angle and Kim Warden, have had nothing but great things to say about your lovely wife, Rebby, and how excited they are to eventually get her to come on that podcast. What's the latest with what Rebby's got cooking uh, on the Twitch stream this week? Uh, we, we're getting some pranks that the House Hardy is pulling off here. Yeah, yeah. There, there's always something going on here at the, uh, the uh, Hardy compound. Yeah, uh, twitch.tv backslash House Hardy. Uh, we're going to be having a uh, stream every Monday. It's Mattitude Monday. It's where I interact with people who are subscribers to our Twitch stream. And uh, I'll play different varying games with them. A lot of times if I'll play Among Us, you know, my kids, Maxwell and Wolfie, sometimes they'll serve as, as my player as well. They're a little better at those games than I am. But it's always fun. We always have some interesting conversation. A lot of times just currently whatever is happening in the life of House Hardy. You know, whatever is going on with the Hardy family is usually what we talk about, you know, that and sometimes pop culture stuff. And there's always some super entertaining stuff with the kids as far as their most recent pranks and kids just say the most amazing things. So there's so many conversations that just like uh, segue out of crazy things that the kids have been doing with one another. So it, it's a lot of fun and, uh, and and we really enjoy it. And it's built like a great a great base of fans that, that come in and they really feel like family because it's like a, a less toxic area of social media because only a, a certain amount of people that really want to be there are there. And if you were to get Dan Housen to come down to the Hardy compound, as you've talked about, it would in theory become the house house and would it not? <laughs> yes. Uh, house Hardy Housen, right? House Hardy Housen. Uh, Dan, Dan Housen would definitely make a fun and entertaining uh, Yes opponent uh, opponent or partner with broken matt hardy i can say that for sure they would make some they would make some super entertaining content together 100 percent on that one my friend uh, this has been a fun episode really appreciate everybody sending in those questions uh, one of the things i love about doing this podcast is matt is so real and honest and transparent and i think you got all that with your questions here today We'll have a fun one next week. I'm hoping I'll be seeing you this week, Matt. It'll be a lot of fun on that front. And yeah, uh, yeah man, we'll be back with Big Money Matt next week. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say thanks to everyone that has been checking out The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. And I truly hope you do in, enjoy this because I, I really, I, I'm always going to go out of my way to try and be as open and as honest and transparent as possible and I just get where the pro wrestling business is in this day and age. You know, it's, it's uh, much more open, much more open than it has ever been. And I feel like being able to speak, you know, like this to you and, and give you a little bit of the behind the scenes info and tell you some stories that you haven't heard. I, I think it's extremely interesting. And sometimes the behind the scenes stuff is almost more interesting than the actual stuff that happens in front of the camera. So for everyone that is here and has checked it out and enjoyed it, thank you so much. Uh, please continue to join us every single week whenever we come out with a new podcast. And also, please uh, rate us and leave a comment. Those things do a lot, and we appreciate that. It helps build us, and we want to you know, continue to build our brand of the extreme life of Matt Hardy so we can uh, continue to reach more and more wrestling fans. 
The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Last Gems Day.